The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with my buddy Brett Gerson, who's been living in Asia off and on since 2004. He's lived in Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong, and now in Singapore. So Brett, what's right about living over there? There's a lot that's right. Uh, the, the first thing that pops in my mind is the food. Uh, I've been lucky enough to live in some great cities that are just amazing food centers. I think Beijing is definitely my favorite. Um, now that I've been in Singapore for about six months, I find that that's the thing I miss most about Beijing. But I think generally speaking, anywhere I get a chance to travel to around Asia, the food is really the highlight of the trip. And when my girlfriend Amy and I travel, it's always a very food-focused itinerary. So that's the thing that comes to mind first. What is it about the food in Beijing specifically? Beijing has a really cool food scene because it's because it's the capital. You have different um, cuisines. In China, there's lots of different regional cuisines. Um, you know, each province has a type of food or a dish that it's really famous for, and so. When those chefs go to Beijing and open up a restaurant, they're really bringing their A game. So Beijing has different cuisines from all over China that are really uh, some of the best representations of that kind of food. And that always was really one of my favorite parts about living in Beijing. What was your go-to meal? Definitely my favorite cuisine is Sichuan. And I think any of your listeners, uh, really, were, probably wherever they're located, have had a really good Sichuan meal. But um, in China, it's just obviously on another level. Uh, the noodles, the dumplings, um, there's a particular kind of spice called ma, which um, some of your listeners might have had, especially people who are based in New York, where, where this particular spice is starting to make more inroads. But it's, it's a, um, it's a, a, a mouth-watering, mouth-numbing spice and it's actually it's actually one of the derivatives of uh, of Novocaine. And so after you have a few bites of it, your mouth starts to get really tingly. And then later on, it starts to feel cold. And then even after that, it actually starts to feel numb. But it, it still enhances a lot of the other flavors. And it's, it's I'm, my mouth is watering right now talking about it. That that doesn't sound like it feels good at all. Well, it feels good when you're eating it. Uh, it might not feel so good the next day. <laughs> Is it worth it? Totally worth it. What about day-to-day life there? What's right about that aside from the food? Day-to-day life, uh, I've really enjoyed it in Asia. I think that one of my favorite things is just constantly seeing stuff that you don't understand. Um, You see people doing things or eating things or carrying things or (laughs) saying things that you just just have no clue what they're doing. Um, And it's that sort of like constant state of slight puzzlement uh, that I think has really made my life in Asia fun. And um, I think one of the things I miss most about living in China, I I got more of that sense in China where people were just doing things I just constantly didn't understand. Singapore is a little bit more kind of like home. Um, So when I think about the time I've spent in Asia, that's that's one of my favorite things is, is just thinking back to that time in China where I had no clue what was going on most of the time. What are the examples of that? Oh, that's tough. Um, well, I guess 
you know, one of the one of the things that was always that always surprised me was, you know, a lot of people know that China is, you know, this authoritarian government and there's controls on the Internet and freedom of speech. But the truth is, in day to day life in China, um, people can really kind of do whatever they feel like doing hmm. um, as long as they don't sort of cross a line and start talking about politics or criticizing the government or anything like that. But in terms of, you know, the way people drive, um, which is completely out of control and aggressive or the, the way people the way people dress. I think a lot of times you'd be surprised to see, you know, especially during the summer, people just walking outside of their house in their boxers <laughs> or their pajamas like it's no big deal. Um, you know, at restaurants, you know, you can kind of spit, uh, you know, if, if you're eating something with bones like fish or chicken or something like that and, you know, you get some gristle or a bone you can kind of just spit it out on the table or on the floor and it's, it's no big thing that's just the way that's just the way people roll um but to me uh that was always really cool because then i could do those things too yeah um so sort of the the social mores or the, the social boundaries that we have in the u.s in terms of like you know how to behave in a restaurant or how to dress when you walk outside your house don't really apply there so um I, you know i would always get inspiration by seeing people doing things like that or behaving that way, um, which is totally par for the course in China. And it was sort of giving me the inspiration and realized like, oh, I, I guess I can do that too. So you're just walking outside in your boxers these days? Sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> sure. How, yeah, do you some, get, how do you get treated as an American? Uh, overall, really well. Um, you know, I think that, you know, there's certainly some tension between the U.S. and China these days. Um, but I think that, uh, everyone I encountered, I, I can't really think of any examples where anyone treated me negatively or treated me poorly just because I was an American. I think most people, um, are friendly to anyone. And I think that most people still really respect the United States. And, um, I always got treated really well. That's good to hear. So that when you come back home and you've been away for so long, do you ever feel like an outsider back in the States? I do in some sense. Um, you know, one of the things you and I have always talked about is sports and baseball in particular. And I think I've always uh, underestimated how difficult it is just keeping up with sports when you're living in Asia. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, when you're in the U.S., you know, no matter what restaurant or bar you go to or if you're in a taxi or whatever, there's always like sports on in the background. Right. There's always whether it's Sports Center or whatever local radio show or whatever, there's just always, it's always playing in the background. You don't even have to seek it out. But here, you know, I really have to seek out uh, games which are playing in the middle of the night for me. So if I really want to watch a Pirates game, um, I, you know, if it's on the weekend, I got I to gotta stay up until one in the morning to watch, uh, you know, first pitch at 1 p.m. U.S. time. Uh, and, you know, it's not playing on, you know, there, there's no highlights playing on the TVs at whatever restaurant or bar I'm going to. So, so that's been something I come back to the U S and, and people are talking about sports, whatever sport. And I'm, I, I kind of pretend like I'm able to follow, but the truth is uh, it's really tough to follow sports. What's actually on the TVs in bars. And I'm assuming there are TVs in bars. <laughs> uh, well, definitely in Singapore, there's rugby, there's soccer, there's, um, I don't know, all, all kinds of other like Australian or cricket's a big one. And, you know, I have that's another thing I have. I have no clue what's going on. So I can I can sit there and 
you know, pretend like I'm following the game. But the truth is, you know, I'm basically just like following the ball on the screen and I have no clue what's <laughs> no clue what's going on in cricket. What have you picked up, Brett, in Asia that you think the United States would benefit from adopting culturally? I'm talking about here. That's a great question. Uh, people are always asking me, like, what's what's like the next big thing in China that we can that, that hasn't arrived in the U.S. yet that we can that we can bring back and make a million bucks on? Uh, well, well, I'm not talking about Nintendo or something technological. I'm talking about something culturally you've picked up. Culturally. Uh, yeah. OK, so one thing that when I have family to come over and visit me in China, for example, uh, my grandma came to visit last year. And one of the things that China does really well is look after old folks. And so every little neighborhood, every little community, there's kind of a, a playground. And the playground is not really f necessarily for little kids. It's actually for the old folks who are retired to come outside, um, kind of hang out in the park, play cards, uh, play, play mahjong, play dominoes, um, and kind of just like kibitz and talk and gossip and just kind of shoot the shit all day. And, um, and my grandma was really struck by that because it's like, it's a place, it's just a place for people to go every day and kind of hang with their friends. Um, and she was also really struck by the fact that, um, they were playing Mahjong and she thought Mahjong was a game for Jewish ladies in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out, no, it's actually a Chinese game that's been around for probably thousands of years. What's considered old there? Same as here? Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, I think, well, there's definitely, I don't know if, if old is the right way to say it, but I think, I think looking at it in terms of generations, okay. right? So I think there's probably just a little bit more of a sense of being filial towards your parents and towards your grandparents. And so I think it's just, it's caring for your parents, caring for your grandparents. There's, there's more of an expectation, um, that, you know, for example, um, when you, grow up, get married, have a home of your own. It's, it's pretty customary, uh, not just in China, but in a lot of places in Asia, for your parents to move in with you um, and to kind of return the favor hmm. for your parents raising you while you were a little kid and couldn't take care of yourself. You take care of your parents. Is this in the cards for you eventually? <laughs> I think it definitely is. Oh. I think it definitely is. Yeah, we, we still, we still have to spot. negotiate the parameters on that one. But when Amy's listening to this, uh, thanks for sparking a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't mean to, but I'm thinking about your parents. <laughs> oh, my family. No, my family, out of the question. No, no, no. <laughs> my parents, no, they're, they're on their own. <laughs> All right, buddy, good talking <laughs> to you. Thanks. Hey, great to talk to you. Brett's a long way from Morgantown, West Virginia, where we met at overnight camp as teenagers. And these days, I think Mandarin is offered as a junior high language, but Brett was the first one of my friends that took it in college and has used it for a career. As for Ma, not the Ma that he's going to be living with, but the spice, the Sichuan pepper and chili pepper combination, sounds pretty intense. Actually, both experiences do. I'd love to hear about your experiences traveling in Asia, so find me on Twitter and Facebook at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Also, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It's the best thing you can do to help out the program, and then share it with everyone you know. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up.
The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. Mm-hmm.